thank you for listening to Faith in Flagler because building faith strengthens our community. I am Brian McMillan, your host. I'm also the publisher of The Observer. And thank you to Kyle Holmgren for being in the studio with me. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show today. Very good. Um, so you are the Bunnell Campus Pastor of Tomoka Christian Church. Um, and that Bunnell Campus does not exist yet. Is that right? Or are you doing it? Are you operating somewhere temporarily until something else happens? What's uh, the status of the Bunnell Campus? <laughs> well, the, the campus hasn't launched yet. So we're okay. actually looking to launch February 4th. Uh, in the meantime, I've just been trying to plug myself into the community, uh, establishing a healthy faith community before we go to launch officially on Sunday service. Very good. And so Tomoka Christian Church right now, like where is that? And you know, if somebody wanted to go check it out now, what would they, where would they go? What, what, what's the story of that one? Well, uh, our main campus is actually in Ormond Beach. So it's at 1450 Hand Avenue. That's between Clyde Morris and uh, Nova Road. So if you wanted to go check out a service, kind of get a feel for the culture of Tomoko, what all that looks like, a worship experience, the doctrinal teachings, uh, that would be the place to go. Very good. So just to take a quick pause, I just want to thank a few sponsors, Douglas Property and Development. Um, this is the Douglas the Douglas family, the Douglas duo, Jeff and, and uh, Walker, have been around the community for a long time um, working with uh, Town Center and trying to help, you know, develop smartly with the, in the community. Big John's Appliances is a place where you can get kind of like scratch and dent um, new appliances, um, but it also helps support the open door recovery uh, ministry that Tra- Pastor Charles Solano was involved with. So go check out Big John's Appliances and then Stevenson, Wilcox and Associates. They've been around the community for a long time. Also really believe in the mission of Faith and Flagler. They do surveying. Um, so I just wanted to give a plug to those, to those companies and thank you very much for supporting the show. So um, this is episode three. So, you know, this is a brand new endeavor. I'm also brand new endeavor with the Palm Coast Observer and the Ormond Beach Observer, you know, new business owner. And actually that, that's what I was thinking about on the way in here today is like, there's some kind of similarities here. Starting a new venture, you know, you're, you're about to start a new um, campus for Tomoka Christian Church. So what is that like? What kind of stresses are, are going on in your head about, you know, launching this new thing? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so ironically, my wife is also pregnant, so I kind of compare ah. it almost like having a baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, some, some big stresses are, um, you know, making sure that we are plugged into the community well. Um, Flagler County is such a tight-knit community, and that's wonderful. It actually reminds me quite a bit of my hometown. Uh, where, where are you from? I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Okay. Yep. And so I moved down here a few years ago, um, fell in love with Flagler County, even though technically I live in Daytona, but I drive up here every day. Um, some big stresses, you know, getting into the community is definitely, I would say, one of the big ones. So just finding some great avenues, some great connections, such as yourself and some mm-hmm. other leaders in the community, uh, maybe even some of your sponsors, great contacts to get, um, to just get plugged in and make sure that we are working in the community that we are ministering in. Yeah, very good. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about fire with you. Okay. So what is, so, so what are the three elements of fire? I don't know if you're ever like a boy scout or had to go start a fire. Oh, have you, man. have you ever started a fire in your life? 
You know, probably accidentally. <laughs> uh, no, I can't say I have. I was a Cub Scout when I was like six, but usually I, they don't encourage remember. fires at that age no. as much. But but I was in I was in Boy Scouts when I was growing up, and um, I remember making fire. You know, and you have fuel. You know, you have have to have oxygen, mm. and you have to have heat. So in in I think the 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 world kind of has this kind of. Um, set rules about fire. I mean, you can't have fire without one of those things. In fact, you have to really know that because you have to, if you want to put out a fire, you have to remove one of those mm. options, right? Like smother it to get rid of the oxygen or take away the fuel or, or whatever. And in fact, um, have you ever seen, um, are you familiar with like the controlled burn that yes. happens, you know, in Florida? So tell me what you know about that. What, uh, what, what is a controlled burn? So from my understanding, it's when uh, the fire departments, the local fire departments grab all the underbrush and everything that they find out on the sides of the highways and major roads and mm-hmm. neighborhoods, and they gather it up and they, they set it on fire by having their people on standby to put it out just in case it gets out of control. Yeah, and and it's sort of like a pre uh, preemptive kind of thing where yeah. you, you know, because sure. we, we, we do such a good job of preventing fires that Mother Nature um, doesn't it uses fire for actually good purposes to kind of uh, rejuvenate, you know, mm. the land. And I, I've gone through Princess Place. Have you been to Princess Place yet? No, I haven't. You got to go to Princess Place. It's on the kind of northern part of the county, but um, it's a uh, it's it's a little preserve and and um, well, big preserve actually. But they've had some controlled burns there as well. And so when you drive by there down this dirt road, um, I've seen like you know, there's all these tree trunks and they're blackened about you know 15 feet up. And everything has just gone underneath it. And then you go back a few weeks later and there's like some green that's sprouting up. And then over time, it's it's back. So the fire does a lot uh, for the environment. So anyway, this is kind of a long preamble to, um, it just occurred to me about how um, God has u- God uses fire and how God is involved with, with fire. Like, um, can you think of like, Example of fire from the Bible. Uh, yeah. What's actually, an example that you could uh, think of? One of the biggest examples, I would say, is Shekinah, which is the physical apparition of God's glory. And so it was in, uh, in the night was a giant pillar of fire. And actually, if you take the measurements from the Bible, it was one mile in circumference. You could see it from space. Hmm. That's how wow. big it was. I did not know that. So the, the, um, so the say the word again is that Shekinah. and is that a Hebrew word? Or? It is okay. It means it is the physical app, the physical apparition of God's glory. Yeah. So why do you think fire is used in that in that way? Like why why do you think knowing what we know about fire, you know, you have to how you build the fire and and you know it's very it's very clear how you'd put it back out and how you try to control it. Um. In this sense, God is using fire in a to describe His own glory. You know, why, why do you think He uses fire in that way? Well, it was interesting because Shekinah was only fire at night. So, in, during the day, it was actually a pillar of clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this the, is the children of Israel going through the desert, yes, right? as they're wandering through the desert. And so, that Shekinah glory of being fire uh, is first and foremost security, especially during the night. Um, it was because illumination. you could see. Because yes, you could see. Exactly. Yeah. You could see where you were going, right? And then mm-hmm. not only that, but when the Israelites camped at night, um, 
that giant pillar of fire basically told the enemies of Israel, hey, stay away. You don't mm. want to come anywhere near here. So, so to the enemies, the fire was a scary thing. Yes. It could be a warning against. Mm-hmm. But yet, for the children of Israel, what do you think it did for them? Uh, definitely gave them a sense of security uh, and provision. I would say is definitely a symbol of provision as well. Uh, when what I, do you mean by that? A symbol of provision? Well, he's providing for them in a humorous way. I like to imagine maybe like Moses having like a marshmallow on a stick, cooking <laughs> it, <laughs> cooking it in a humorous way. Obviously, that's a joke. Uh, but from a serious standpoint, I would say that that fire provided for the Israelites the security that they needed, um, the safety that they needed from their enemies. Yeah, interesting. That fire could be a a comforting like a fire around the hearth or mm-hmm. like at a campfire, like this is where we gather the to... Part of the home. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, it's the connection. And maybe that's what that, you know, the fire of God was to those children of Israel. But yet it also could be like, you know, if, if wolves came to your campfire, you might use the fire to scare away the wolves at the right. same time. So it kind of can do, can do both things. Um, the other fire that I thought of, you know, with the Bible is um, the burning bush, mm. you know, with... Moses, you know, before the, before the children of Israel, uh, leading up to, but, you know, Moses is, uh, uh, walking by and sees this bush on fire, but it's not burning. Um, and I just wonder again, knowing Moses knew the rules of fire that you, the, the fuel is burned up, you know, and in this case, the fuel wasn't being burned up. And I'm just wondering what, um, why do you think God would use fire in that, in that way to kind of make his presence known? That's a really great question. Um, man. Well, when I think about the burning bush and I think about why would God use a burning bush to communicate to Moses, uh, it was probably for a multitude of reasons, um, some of them being like there's actual natural occurring bushes that catch on fire in the Middle East um, that we know about. I can't remember the name of the tree now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does naturally occur. So maybe that was just something that would have been familiar to Moses. Hmm. Um, another reason could be um, to show God's power. Yeah. Um, definitely in the middle of the desert. If no one's there to start the fire, how did the fire start? Um, I think, I think though, the main reason why God would appear to Moses in the burning bush uh, in the, and uh, you know, we're talking about fuel not being burned up is even though God, and it says elsewhere in the Bible, our God is an all consuming fire. Even though God is an all consuming fire, the thing that catches on fire because of God doesn't get burned up. So mm-hmm. that bush wasn't about to get burned up. If anything, that bush was probably more alive more <laughs> with, with God. Right? Yeah. With God, you know, setting on fire than anything else. Um, and so that, you know, that's, that's really cool. I love that you asked that question because it just gets me thinking about when, as as believers, you know, we're on fire. You know, we use the symbol, the phrase, the symbology of we're on fire for Christ. We're on fire for God, and yet we're not burned up. Yeah, John the Baptist said that one would come after me who would baptize with fire and mm-hmm. with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. To be baptized with fire. I mean, this 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 is a a um, uh, again knowing what we know about fire. And this is kind of one of those basic, as a kid, you understand the rules. Um, you can't just make a fire as, as, as a, as a boy scout, you know, you can't just say, all right, I've got heat and there's air around me. So I want a fire. You have to go get wood. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so obvious. 
you would never think about it uh, trying to trying to circumvent the rules of fire making um and yet uh, i i guess that's what kind of occurred to me as i was thinking through this earlier is that talk about a very obvious manifestation of his power mm. it, something that we know very clearly is the only way something like this could happen is with some intervention you know so and then you have the the fourth man in the fire that's what I always think of it because there's a Johnny, there's a Johnny cash song called the fourth man in the fire where he tells the story is pretty, pretty cool. But yeah, somebody, you know, being preserved from the fire. And it's like, if God can be the fire and he can be baptized with fire Mm. and he can prevent somebody from being burned in a fire, then what does that tell you about what he can do for you, for me, for people that you would minister to in, in the, in your future congregation. Uh, well, what, what it, can he do for us? If he can do that, what else can he do for us? Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a multitude of things. And I, you know, you, you brought up the fourth man, right? And so that's the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to that, I would say that that's the answer to your question. So it's very interesting that Nebuchadnezzar through Meshach, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes, thank you. Shadrach and and Abednego into a furnace. Yeah. It's very interesting that he threw them into a furnace. And so uh, that furnace was most likely to make clay bricks Mm. uh, for the idols that Nebuchadnezzar was setting up that people would bow down and worship to. Um, Hmm. I never thought about that. That that, that puts even more irony into into that story. (laughs) Irony. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> pastor jokes, man. Um, <laughs> uh, you got much to look forward to, folks. Sunday service <laughs> coming to you soon. Um, the furnace um, is very interesting symbology with fire, right? And so that God is the fire that purifies us. And so elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about how we go through the fires and we come out the other side purified like gold. And so that's that is the refiner's fire. Exactly. And so that is, that is, I would say the biggest thing when it comes to, when we're talking about God and fire and what effect that has on us, it purifies us and makes us, it makes us holy there. That's that process of sanctification um, and metallurgy. Right. And so when we go to purify elements, that's, that's what that is. That's what God's doing to us. Um, that way we might be able to glorify him in the way that he's created us for. So, do what if somebody out there is listening and they say, "Well, I don't know that I really want to change who I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not looking for a fundamental change in my life. Um, why would, why would we want God to change us, to change who we are? Well, if if you're a non-believer and you know you're asking the question of why would I need God? Um, I feel like that's a question that a lot of a lot of people ask. I asked that at one point in my life. I wasn't. I didn't grow up Christian. My parents weren't. Yeah, you know, I wasn't in church. I wasn't. I wasn't a believer all my life, and so I, I led my life the way I wanted to, and I didn't. I didn't feel that I had a need for God at all. Um, and so when I had friends who were Christian come up to me and say, "Hey, man, you need Jesus," <laughs> um, you know, I didn't. I didn't take that very seriously. See, in Florida, it would be y'all need Jesus. Y'all need that, Jesus. That's how you say it. <laughs> y'all need Jesus. Um, I don't know how they said it in Indiana, but <laughs> <laughs> no, in Southern Indiana, there is a y'all uh, for sure. We're close enough to Kentucky; we get that. Um, 
but yeah, um, I didn't feel that I didn't feel the need to change or anything like that. And so from the outside looking in how I would talk to people and how I would describe that is even before I knew that I needed Jesus, I knew that I had struggles. I knew that I had things that I felt guilty about that I had shame about. I knew that there were things that were right that I should do that I didn't do. And that there were things that were wrong that I shouldn't do that I did do. So even, even without, you know, God in your life, you could sense, you could feel like you were doing some things that you shouldn't do. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Do you think everybody kind of has that sense in some way? If you're a human being, you feel that. Yeah. So turning to God then is not a way to go and get your, your guilt and your shame amplified. It's where to go for relief. Exactly. From that. So how do we get that? Uh, Giving your life to Christ. Um, for me, it was a moment where I was at a very low point in my life. I was suicidal. Um, I How old were you note. then? I was 18 and a half. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had gone through my first semester of college and uh, felt depressed and lonely. And I thought of ending it. I didn't see any value in my life. And for me, it was a sign from God that got me into a church, which which was very surprising. My family would never catch me dead in a church. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean by there was a sign? Like what, what, what brought you to this church that you're talking about? Uh, well, I, and was that in Indiana also? No, that was okay. actually in Hawaii. Okay. Um, I, I was lived in Hawaii for about a year and a half. I worked for the Navy as a preschool teacher. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I have a the very Navy interesting... as a preschool teacher. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have, I have a few stories. <laughs> I have a few of them. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. you're, in Hawaii, I'm in preschool Hawaii. teacher, and yeah. you're feeling that seems like a place where you would feel very good about your life. Oh, well, from a worldly perspective, yeah. I mean, I was going to parties all the time, had multiple girlfriends, was going through college, had money. I mean, life, yeah. life seemed pretty great from the outside. So I know one would have suspected that I, in the inside I was dying. Yeah. So what was this? What what changed your, your, your mind? What well, changed your life? I, I drove a 1995 Toyota Corolla. Um, which, if you know, has the radio dial where you have to get it just right on the AM <laughs> FM channel to listen to the radio. And so my radio dial was stuck on 101.1 The Croc, which is the rock channel um, for California and for Hawaii. K-Rock. K-Rock, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I that's what I listened to. And so and that's what my radio So that's on. that's broadcast in Hawaii as well? Yes. Interesting. Okay, keep yeah, going. Uh, I found that pretty interesting as well. <laughs> uh, didn't realize it was a California um, channel. But uh, went to a dentist appointment, and oddly enough, um, there was a church across the street from my dentist's office, and the church's doors were wide open. It was like a Tuesday night. Hmm. Um, I was the last appointment for the day. I got out at like five thirty, six o'clock. And so I go in this church, and um, I had written out my suicide note. And So, so why did you go to the church with a suicide note? Or you wrote it out, and then you well, left it somewhere else? Yeah, so I had written it out. It was in my car um, in the glove box. But I, I thought it was weird. It was a Tuesday night, and I see this church across the street um, in the business district of town. Hmm. No, like I didn't feel like there should be a church here. That's super weird. I mean, there's a car lot right next to it, dentist, doctor's offices, very weird place to put a church. Tuesday night, and the doors are wide open, lights are on. So I thought that was just so – I thought it was so weird. I felt the need to go check it out. Hmm. So I walked across the street. I looked inside. No one was in there. Um, it was empty. So very, very strange. And I sat down in one of the chairs and I prayed for about 15 minutes uh, to God I didn't know and basically just told him, and I, and I really told him, uh, you know, if you don't show me that you're real, I'm going to kill myself and it's going to be your fault. 
And so I went back to my car and I turned on my car and I didn't touch the radio dial, but the music was not K rock. It was not my mm. rock. It wasn't my Led Zeppelin or my ACDC that I like to listen <laughs> to. Um, instead it was a song and it was telling me about this guy named Jesus and it was describing everything I was feeling. Uh, and so I took that as a sign. I said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll play along. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I pray and my radio dial changes. Uh, I didn't touch it. I didn't, I didn't change it. And, um, I, I knew that that was my sign. So I went to church and I gave my life to Christ that Sunday. Wow. Um, thanks for sharing that. I know that's yeah. probably not an easy story to tell, but, um, interesting that the light in the, in the church is what kind of like you had to go check it out. Mm. It it seemed like it was different enough, you know? And I think, uh, just makes me think of the, you know, scripture in, in Matthew about let your light so shine, um, be a city on the hill, you know, the city on the hill cannot be hid. Um, how can we be a light to other people? What, what, what does that mean? Well, when you're on fire for Jesus, you're naturally going to give off life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of the properties of fire is illumination. Yeah. Um, and so that could be also one thing to talk about in the aspect of God. Um, if you're on fire for Christ, you're going to give off that light to other people. And if other people are in a cold, dark, and lonely place, they're going to be attracted to that flame that you have. And they'll just see something about you. Exactly. So what would be your advice? You know, you're a, you're a pastor. Um, maybe people who are listening are believers and they wish that they could share that light with somebody else. Um, what would you, what, what would you recommend? Uh, it, it seems like a lot of people maybe are hesitant because you don't want to seem like totally oddball or like <laughs> Jesus, you're, freak. Or Jesus freak. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would be a way to kind of, um, to, to do it in sort of a, a caring way, but also to stand up for what you believe in. Well, I believe that God has created every single one of us um, in a way that glorifies him specifically. And so every, every person's situation is different. Every person is different and God's going to use them in different ways. And so whatever, like, for example, you are uniquely gifted in, God's going to use that. Just this radio show that you are uh, having and interviewing pastors that is God's way of using you for his glory. And that's the way that he's designed you and created you to be able to share the gospel with others. Um, for other people, honestly, it could just be, it could be a smile, a kind word. Sometimes that's what's needed. Uh, it could be accidentally leaving the lights on in your church and forgetting to lock the door. So that was some random 18 year old walks in and prays. Um, God uses us all in different ways. And so I would say, find the way uh, for yourself personally, pray about that. Ask God, what, how, what can I do for you, Lord? And he's going to show you, he's going to guide you in that. Yeah. Um, again, interesting that, um, this idea going back to the fire, the pillar of fire, like I think all, all, a lot of those stories from the old Testament, um, and even a lot of the miracles I think are, are there, you know, recorded for us to just show us what, God is capable of doing. Mm. And I think give us some hope that whatever my per- personal problem is, um, I mean, if he did it, if, if he helped those people, then I don't know how he's going to help me, but I know that he can help me. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, it just, I, I guess it just, what, what do we do then? How do we, how do we access it? How do, how do we, 
how do we get God to give us the help? <laughs> well, you know, man, that's actually the great part is uh, it has nothing to do with us. Uh, Jesus takes all the burden for us. Um, and so it's not our actions. It's not what we do. It's all about God, and it's all about his faithfulness to us. And so for us, all we need to do is just give him permission to work. Um, God's never going to go where he's not invited. So if we are allowing God to work in our lives, if we're giving him that time, if we are letting him uh, do his thing, essentially, Mm -hmm. he's going to do it. He's standing at the door waiting for us to knock, right? It's in Revelation, book of Revelation. Well, Kyle Holmgren uh, the Benel Campus Pastor for Tomoka Christian Church. I wish you all the best uh, getting the Benel Campus set up. You know, in the in after the new year. Um, and thank you so much for coming and hearing my kind of maybe uh, convoluted questions about fire. But you're a good sport, and I appreciate your insight um, in a lot of the cultural, you know, uh, background too that you shared. Um, so thank you so much for being my guest. For sure. Thanks for having me, man. I loved it. Very Thank good. And, and thanks again to Douglas Property and Development, Big John's Appliances, and Stevenson Wilcox and Associates for supporting Faith and Flagler. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs>